Welcome to the Natural Wisdom Podcast. I'm Christine Backus, your host. Today is January 22nd, 2023, and this is episode 36. It's actually a little bit, there were some episodes before, I may need to renumber some days, so we're actually probably closer to about episode 50, but you get the idea. 36 since I've been counting. Um, and today, what I want to do is tie together some of the threads of the, the fun and interesting episodes I've done in the last couple of months about karma and Saturn and embodiment and sensitivity and healing, etc. Um, yesterday was the Aquarius new moon. Uh, the last Aquarius new moon with its ruler, Saturn, in its home sign for about 25 years, actually, not quite, but close to. And today, uh, Uranus, the planet Uranus is stationing, meaning it's uh, coming to a standstill from our perspective in order to switch back to direct motion. And for the what that means is we're getting a big dose of Uranian energy and Uranus energy is very antsy and electric and a um, lot of sort of ungrounded energy and also potential for lots of insights. For me, the way I feel it, partly because of the way Uranus is involved in my chart, I feel it as the antsiness and the distractedness and a little bit of a hard time kind of staying pinned down. This is my second take on the on the podcast, and that's part of why. But back to the topic at hand. Uh, yesterday, I did a workshop called Time of Transition, and it was about the seven-year period of change that we're in from 2020 to 2026. And from an astral point of view, it's really clear that we have a lot of stuff happening in a very short period of time. For instance, we had five big conjunctions in 2020. And when I did a quick search for like a 30-year period of outer planet conjunctions, there are most, most years there aren't any, some years there are one, and every once in a while you'll get two, but to have five in one year is pretty remarkable. And some of them were big game-changing kinds of conjunctions that might happen every 35 years or every 20 years, and they all start new cycles. Uh, I put I will put a link to the workshop and if you're interested in more of the the details and the and the themes, some of which I'll be talking about today, um, go ahead and grab the recording. It's it probably is worth it if you if this stuff intrigues you. But in short, um, what, if you think about some of the other ways we look at cycles, so from astrology, we've got, the, we're moving from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius, and that's also astronomy, right? Uh, astrology and astronomy, and it's a long explanation, but it's uh, essentially the equinox point moving from one constellation to another. Um, and it, it these are 26,000-year cycles, and the, each age is a little bit over 2,000 years. So these are big transitions. And then if you remember 2012 was kind of a big deal because the Mayan calendar came to an end. That's not that long ago. And again, something that was looking at like, I think it was again, 20,000 year cycles. 
And so we're pretty close to that transition as well. And then I don't study, I don't know human design, but I did go read about that because they talk about the great a mutation in 2027. It's partly based on astrology, which again is like a new era starting and a big shift in, from my view, all of this is a big shift in how we look at the world, how we understand the world and how we understand ourselves in it. And so those are the big themes we're talking about. And some of the work that I've been doing around Saturn, for instance, um, is ties in with these themes because it's going to be very, very important in my view, again, for each of us to take responsibility for our own lives and our own sort of creating co-creation of the world, especially over the next few years. I think we've already kind of felt the shifting of the ground underneath us and how a lot of things that we've sort of relied on in order to um, kind of know which way to go are just no longer reliable. Uh, to the extent that we have looked to doctors or scientists or governments or parents or anybody else as an outside authority, we probably got a little bit jerked around in the last couple of years. At least I know that I I did. Um, and so that sense of autonomy and authority and authenticity is one of the messages of the time. And it's also one of the ways that we will get through whatever else might be coming our way. And that's probably always been true to some degree, uh, but I think it's much more true now in terms of how uh, the individual's relationship is with society. Um, so let me talk a little bit about, uh, I'm just looking at my notes. One of the things I talk about on this podcast and one of the purposes of the natural wisdom podcast is pointing us back to what I call our own natural wisdom. And that's our inner sense of innate, just innate, inbuilt, intrinsic knowing of who we are and how we are part of nature and are part of the cosmos. We know that when we are able to get sensitive enough and sort of pay attention enough. I think if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have a real felt sense of who you are and your the fact that you belong and are part of the earth community, the nature community, even the cosmic community. And that's one of the shifts with the from the, an astrology point of view. And again, some of these other um, the other people writing about this from from the more esoteric viewpoint, at least, and the more occult viewpoint, uh, which is just means hidden, which means being connected to that hidden world. Um, there's a lot of talk about the fact that this is a time for us to understand and not just understand in our minds, but you know, understand throughout our, our entire being that we're part of a greater whole. We live in a holographic universe and we're each, uh, it, it's the it's the basic philosophy of um, Ayurveda as well as astrology, Western astrology, and certainly um, Vedic or Jyotish astrology that 
as above, so below. The individual reflects the cosmos. The individual reflects nature. And our bodies are part of nature. They're part of the earth. And it's really, uh, this is an important time to start understanding that for a lot of reasons. One is that what we do to the earth, we're doing to ourselves. And what we do to ourselves, we're doing to the earth. And when we have a real felt sense of what that means, then we live differently. We make decisions differently. Um, another piece of this is that uh, we we get sort of taught, conditioned to believe a lot of assumptions that get invisible to us. We're, it's like the fish in water, right? Can't see the water. We can't see some of these cultural beliefs that we hold for instance, that humans are a superior species or that humans are intelligent and the rest of the universe is not, or that humans have purpose and the rest of the universe does not, those are all assumptions. Those are all assumptions. And they're all things we're taught that really don't seem to have any truth to them at all to me. And again, if you are, if you get any time in nature and you really start to feel into these things and develop that sensitivity of connecting to animals, trees, planets, whatever it is, you can start to get a sense of the order and the intelligence and the purpose. And I don't mean purpose, actually, I mean purpose in a very truth, true, truth and truth seeking kind of way. And it's what I talked about with dharma dharma is a, a sanskrit word that has that you could translate at least one of the translations would be purpose but again we tend to think of this is another place where we tend to project it outside of ourselves my purpose is my career or my purpose is how i live my life or my purpose is uh, my mission or my activism my purpose is to change this or to change that and as I think I've said a couple of episodes ago, when I talked about everything is energy, your purpose is your, your unique frequency, and it's your job to live it, to express it, to be it. And I want to digress for just a moment because um, I was watching somebody with their dog today when I was out for a walk, and it struck me that dogs, animals, young children, babies especially, have this particular fascination for us. And in a lot of ways, it's because they're just purely them, right? Until a child has, you know, started to get the either the run of the mill or worse childhood traumas and sort of the conditioning that we put on them. And certainly animals, um, are are really good examples of this when you look at an animal or experience an animal it's just being itself and there's i've known people like that um, not very many but i've known a few people like that where you see them you you talk to them you look in their eyes and there's no subterfuge there's no guile there's no mask it's just this is the person coming through completely. And that's what we see in animals. And, and that's what we see in young children and babies. That's so fascinating to us. And sometimes it looks and feels very vulnerable because it is right in our world. We're sort of conditioned to think that if we show who we really are, 
that we can be judged or shamed or blamed or hurt or whatever. And many of us are, especially as kids. And so we learn to kind of cover it up. And our job is to unlearn all that covering up and unlearn the survival strategies and unlearn the conditioning and all the survival strategies and conditioning and sort of protection mechanisms in my language are karma. Those are our karmic imprints and our work is to unravel and unwind and release them. And again, sort of trying to tie some threads together uh, without going all over the place too much, I hope, is that here's where Saturn comes in, right? Saturn is the guardian of your purpose. Saturn is the guardian of your unique frequency. Saturn is the guardian of your self-authority, your authenticity, your uh, special, unique, creative genius. And karma, right? Karma, um, the that conditioning, those bounds, Saturn shows us our karma. That's the purpose. One, one of the purposes, one of the... Um, functions, if you will, of Saturn in our lives is showing us our karma. So what we're afraid of comes from our karma, uh, where we project our authority onto somebody else that comes from our karma. And these are all things that we, um, we can actually use if you if I can use that word, we can use Saturn for uh, uh, in astrology. And that's one of the reasons that I've been so focused on Saturn this last, um, maybe not quite a year, but it's been some very deep work for me. And it's been very revelatory. And of course, some of it is because of my own personal makeup. Um, but it's also because, uh, as I've said in some of my emails, if you're on my Saturn list, uh, and in some of my other classes, and what I'll be talking about probably in my Saturn and Pisces class coming up, and what I'll be talking about in a really exciting free astrology summit coming up um, starting, I think, February 2nd, 2nd through the 8th. I'll put a link to sign up to that as well in the podcast notes. I'll be talking about this idea uh, of reclaiming Saturn, right? This reclaiming our own authority we have to kind of create the story of the world we want. We have to create this story, our own life stories that we want. And one of the ways I think we do that, especially those of us that are connected to astrology in some way, is reclaim and rewrite the stories that we tell about astrology. And I talked about this again a couple of episodes ago when I talked about the fact that each each uh, archetypal figure, each of the planets, each of the signs has its own pure frequency of energy. Saturn's pure frequency is the frequency of contraction and binding and pulling together. And it's been overlaid with stories over the eons, the millennia, because that's how we explain things. That's how we make meaning as human beings. But those stories get distorted by culture, right? They get distorted by karma. And for the last couple of thousand years, at least, one of those karmic distortions has been dominator culture. And so when we talk about power and authority, we immediately 
unless we've kind of unlocked that karma, right? We immediately start thinking about control over. We immediately start thinking about how we control our experience or control outcomes. And yet pure power, real power is simply the ability to act from authentic desire. It's simply, um, it's what we can't not do as human beings, right? As human embodied beings, we act, we do, we create. That's, it's love in action, really. That's what power is, but that's not how we've been taught. And so when I talk about reclaiming Saturn, what I mean is reclaiming, like instead of seeing it as the malefic and the one that brings tests and challenges and fear, and hard work and making things hard, what we can see is that um, what Saturn really brings is responsibility in the sense of the ability to respond or commitment and dis discipline is one of the words associated with Saturn. And we forget that that word comes from the same word as disciple. And we're usually taught that discipline and commitment and responsibility is to some outside force or outside ideal or outside authority. But true discipline, true responsibility, true commitment is to being me, to being authentically me and doing 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 what I came here to do, which is to fully express my unique self. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to say about this um, is that when we do this work, which is really the work of embodiment, embodying our soul um, and, and sort of uniting and or reuniting because they're not separate, right? Spirit and body are not separate. Soul and body are not separate. We're taught that they are Everything in our language talks about the soul in the body. And if you listen to the last couple of episodes, you know that the, the truth, my truth, what I say is the truth is that the soul is the body. The body is the soul in form. Um, so at any rate, what I was going to say is that the more that we do this embodiment work and this the more that we do this sort of understanding feeling sensing building our sense of our unique frequency our unique self the more sensitive we become and yet the more resilient we become and if you listen to my friend belinda and her talk about sensitivity as a superpower this is part of that um, this is where some of that comes from, right? The more you become yourself, the more sent it's not, it's sort of counter counterintuitive in our world where we think of empathy and sensitivity as handicaps instead of gifts, but we are incredibly sensitive creatures and we have greater sensitivity really than any instrument that's been built by people yet even though, again, that's not what we're told, right? We're told to outsource our sensitivity to equipment to tell us if we're sick or equipment to tell us what our heart rate is, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the truth is we have the incredible capacity for sensing and for feeling, and it doesn't have to be, um, 
It doesn't have to be a handicap. It often is in our culture because we're not set up to either understand or support that sensitivity. And in fact, our culture is pretty well set up to dampen down that sensitivity. And when when your sensitivity is not damped down enough, it can be very difficult to, to work with until your embodiment practice is so strong that you're, you have the strength of it. You have the strength of like really knowing who you are, but that's all, probably a whole nother episode. So I hope that's making some sense. Um, so I think I want to just end with um, just a little bit of practical thought about this, uh, about this whole topic of being yourself, being super authentic. Um, the fact that this is what, what we need now coming into this transition between ages things are not going to get i want to say they're not going to get easier i i i think it's that all depends on our perspective right that's a value judgment i do think that it's going to be more and more important for us to claim this inner authority because i think outer authorities have already become pretty unreliable and i think that will continue especially when for instance pluto moves into aquarius uh, Pluto is the great disruptor and eliminator and um, sort of transformer. And Aquarius has a lot to do with social agreements and social sort of mental structures and social patterns. Um, and even when Saturn moves into Pisces, and again, I'll be talking more about this, and I have several workshops coming up on Saturn and Pisces and Pluto and Aquarius. Um, but th these times will be more changeable, and I think there will be less solid ground outside of ourselves to stand on, so it's more important to find it inside of ourselves. So let me just wrap up with a couple of thoughts about sort of practical suggestions, which I think I've done before, but and I've, I've done some meditations. Um, I try not to do too many of them on the podcast in case you're listening to it in a place that you can't. Um, you can't partake. If you look back through the episodes, you will find some meditations that you can do. But others, so meditation is one of my go-tos and meditation, the kind of meditation that I think is the most useful in this context of embodiment is what they call in Zen, Zazen, just sitting. And just sitting is very deceptive because, of course, anybody that's new to it or that has tried to do it consistently finds that it's not always easy to just sit. But it's really just building awareness. It's building awareness, focus, and concentration, but in here, not out there. And so my favorite kind of meditation is almost like an inquiry into what do I feel like? What do I feel like underneath my stories, underneath my thoughts? Even underneath physical sensations, there's a way to kind of pull your awareness more and more inward um, until you get to more of a pure sense of yourself. If you're if you like meditation, you can play around with that and see if that makes any sense to you if you have an experience of it. And then any kind of conscious practice, conscious walking, conscious movement where you're actually fully conscious and aware of what you're doing and then and the sensations involved yoga is an obvious one unless you're just practicing fitness type yoga which typically isn't going to give you the same benefit um, because you need to slow it down and really build your attention into what you're doing 
breathing exercises, any kind of conscious breathing is really useful in terms of embodiment practices. And then uh, if you've, if I've, you've listened to some of the talks I've done about Ayurveda, conscious eating is one of the best practices we can do for embodiment and reconnecting with the earth, especially if we're eating real food and not Franken food, um, real food, something that you can see where it came from, right? You can see it's an apple or you can see it's a carrot, or you can see that it's part of an animal that you're eating. Um, the closest to the source is going to be the, the easiest way to build connection with the earth, which is where all food comes from, or at least so far, right? Who knows? Who knows with Uranus and Taurus and all the, um, the techno technological advances and the, the focus on out there and outer space, who knows where food will come from in the future. But right now it still comes from the earth. Even if it's grown in a lab, there's something from the earth in there. Uh, but the closer it is to the earth, then the more, um, sort of the more, well, the more nutrition, the more life force you'll get from it and the more connected to the earth you can be as well. And so that's a great embodiment practice is when you eat, just eat uh, and really pay attention to your food and think about all it took to get to your plate. Even if you grew it yourself, there was a lot of co-creation and cooperation to get it there. Um, so a little bit of a rambly uh, episode today, maybe hopefully it did tie together some of those threads from the last few episodes. And uh, I'll be exploring some of this embodiment and this time of transition more in future episodes. And as always, if you have comments or questions, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to see you in one of my workshops. I'm, as I say, I'm doing a series of them. If you want the big overview of this time of transition, then uh, that one is the one I just did yesterday and it's available by recording. Saturn in Pisces workshop is coming up on February 4th. Uh, Pluto and Aquarius workshop is coming up on the equinox. And don't forget, uh, mark your calendars for this really cool summit that I'm so honored to be part of. It's, um, I should know the name off the top of my head, but it's uh, about, uh, it's the Aquarian High Council and it's astrology related to truth and freedom and love. And so it's, uh, it might be a little bit different flavor, a little bit different take on astrology than you might be used to from other places. And I think it's going to be really great. I've seen the lineup of speakers. And again, I'll put a link of, to that in the episode notes as well. I hope to see you or hear from you. Uh, and again, thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks.